y'all. I'm Betsy Orton with the Dickie Foundation. And thanks so much for tuning in to Dickie's Doing Good, a podcast where we share the good stories about good people doing good things in the community. I'm thrilled today because my guest today is Scott White. He is a Navy and Marine Corps veteran. He spent more than two decades as an EMT saving lives, and he is one of our newest members of the Dickies family. We're so thrilled to have you, Scott. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, I, I started in the Navy. Uh, I enlisted in the Navy in 1988. I uh, was a hospital corpsman. Um, I served with the uh, with the Marine Corps the, the entire time I was in. I, I think they left that part out uh, during the recruiting session that uh, the Marines did not have Navy or have hospital personnel or medical personnel. They used Navy corpsmen for that. Um, and so when I graduated Corps school, um, I was sent to the Marines. I spent the next seven years with the Marine Corps. Um, so, it, you know, I definitely joined the Navy. It was that office I was in for sure, but, uh, <laughs> but I spent uh, a lot of time with the Marines. Um, deployed twice, went to um, Saudi Arabia when um, Iraq invaded Kuwait on August 2nd. We were sent to Saudi Arabia on August 13th. We were the advance party, so we did uh, Desert Shield and then Desert Storm when we actually went into Kuwait uh, in February the following year. Uh, and then I got back from that and was sent to Somalia, um, spent six months in Mogadishu, uh, Somalia. And then I spent the last couple of years in Hawaii. So a couple of not so cool places. And then I got to live on Oahu for a couple of years. So <laughs> That's not a bad way to do it. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, when I got out of the military, I, uh, I started working in an ambulance company three days after I got out. And uh, I spent the next uh, 24 and a half years um, at that ambulance company, kind of went through the ranks, working on the ambulance, and then as a supervisor and a manager, and did some marketing, etc. Uh, and then uh, my last uh, assignment, I was uh, leading our uh, Nevada operations. And we had uh, fixed wing, uh, rotary wing, and then ground ambulances. Uh, so about 900 uh, care providers um, here in Southern Nevada. Um, and then I decided, you know, that was kind of enough um, of that, and. I really enjoy um, cooking. This is something that I've always loved to do, and I love to, uh, particularly barbecue. You know, um, and, and barbecue, of course, in the truest sense. You know, smoking the meats, um, not just putting something on a on a grill. That, that that's fun too. <laughs> ha hamburgers and hot dogs are fun, but that's not barbecue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so about ten years ago, I got into um, smoking meats and doing all kinds of things, and I decided. Uh, maybe make this uh, a career move and, um, you know, just kind of stumbled across an opportunity for uh, franchising with Dickies. Um, sent an email in, was contacted right away, and within a week I was at, uh, in Dallas. I flew right out and, uh, and then really uh, enjoyed that trip because it, it gave a sense of um, the scope that you would have from a support structure. And coming from working within a corporation for you know over a couple of decades, um, I understood that scope and you know um, and, and really appreciated that kind of environment. You have the autonomy as the franchisee um, to do your thing and you are certainly accountable and responsible, um, but you can pick up the phone and you know have IT support and have marketing support um, and, and things of that nature. So um, really loved that and uh, and did it and then we decided to, to open a restaurant and uh, we we uh, started our construction phase. This is a brand new location um, with uh, a gray shell, cement floor, um, you know, 
uh, steel um, studded walls, nothing in it, uh, first generation. So um, we started construction in December, went into January, and then this thing called COVID started you know, happening in the news a little bit. Um, our grand opening was scheduled for March 21st. And on March 17th, the governor uh, shut us down um, out of an abundance of caution and the, the, this thing was just spreading too crazy. So um, we were in kind of a lockdown mode three days before our grand opening. Oh so, goodness, that is, that is really hard going into that. So have you had your grand opening yet? Well, we had an opening. It wasn't very grand. <laughs> uh, and so I think that, um, you know, with the great news this week with with vaccines finally, um, you know, getting to the states and getting in into people's arms, etc. cetera, um, I think that uh, 2021 will probably be the year of a grander um, opening, maybe a one-year celebration, um, and really do it right, like we uh, like we wanted to do, like we had planned on doing back in March. So kind of, you obviously, like we said, spent more than two decades as an EMT, had been working uh, in the Marines <laughs> rather than the Navy. Um, kind of what, what was the best part? What was the best part of that? Because we I mean, you know, as the foundation supports first responders, we, we love hearing kind of the stories and, and knowing what the amazing parts of that job are. Well, I think that, um, uh, you know, not to sound too corny, uh, because some of these things are kind of cliche, but it's, uh, it, it's really the relationships you form. Um, with those individuals who are going through that experience with you. Um, and so you, it's very difficult to find um, that type of environment um, that you would see in the military outside of the military. And, and I think a lot of people, when they exit the military, um, they continue to look for that type of environment, those bonds that you form and the relationships. Um, and so a natural fit is our first provider community, our first responder community, um, which either in law enforcement, fire service, or, or EMS. Now, my medical background was a good fit for me just to jump right into uh, to EMS. Um, and it, it's very similar. So those relationships that you form, the bonds that you form, you, um, you, you know, the job is uh, stressful at times and you really kind of need to lean um, on each other. So I think that uh, for me, Having that experience um, uh, is a fond memory of those relationships you form. And then, uh, of course, um, when you're able to uh, help someone else, um, it's it's just a, it's a weird, intangible kind of a thing. You can't really put a dollar amount or or really even a word behind it. I, I struggle for a word, but it's just you know, we in EMS you'd see people at their worst. Um, and um, even if you, as the provider, knew that this was not a maybe a life-threatening situation Jason for the Jenkins. individual, they don't. They're not aware of that. Um, so they just see grandma hooked to tubes and you know IVs and things, you know. Um, and so um, you know, understanding dealing with people in that type of high-stress situation and trying to ease their concerns and and doing the best you can to help people, I think was very rewarding. So those are the two things that I really think of. Well, and it's interesting with you talking about relationships, because I know that one of the one of the really positive relationships that's come out of the whole COVID thing uh, was your relationship with Frontline Foods and World Kitchen by Jose Andres. Tell me a little bit more about that partnership and kind of how, how you got involved in it and, and why that's so important. We heard early in the summer that this program uh, was potentially coming to Las Vegas that they had started um, World Central Kitchen 
Um, and of course, here in Las Vegas, there are a lot of famous chefs in Las Vegas. There um, are. We have, you know, their um, their signature restaurants. You know, their name on the on the marquees, etc. No shortage um, of great food in Vegas. <laughs> there's no shortage of great food for sure. Um, so. Uh, you know, I was somewhat familiar with the chef. I uh, was not very familiar with his organization, World Central Kitchen. Um, fantastic organization, helping those in need. This is think of a think of a hurricane just doing you know massive devastation somewhere. This could be Puerto Rico as an example. Well, Chef Andreas would get some chefs. Um, there would be product there. They just wouldn't have any way to either prepare the product or move the product. So his organization worked out all of those logistic kinks. Um, and could just start making food and feed the people. And this is all done through a charitable organization. So there are, um, you know, I'm not sure how that part of it works. I'm sure there's donations that are that are um, taken and whatnot. But he charges nothing to the to the end consumer. The person who's consuming that product um, never has to pay for it. And so it's just so wonderful. And then and then we have COVID. So this starts, and I think that. Um, at, it was a good segue for him to branch off into frontline foods and frontline meaning those of us who are on the front lines um, during this pandemic um, and so this organization was in dallas it was in new york city it was in los angeles and we heard that one was coming to las vegas there was a key contact kind of a point of contact for southern nevada so we reached out to him signed a contract and uh and we started going to work and what the organization does is we prepare meals they take those meals to. Um, at first, it was healthcare workers. So we would we would go to a hospital. We would take, you know, 400 meals to a hospital or 200 meals to um, uh, another facility that would kind of feed firemen or EMS providers or law enforcement. So it was really that that first responder community. And then it and then it just evolved in the late summer into, you know, there are more people than just uh, our wonderful wonderful first responders. Um, that are out on the front lines every day. There, there's bus drivers, you know. There's um, uh, you name it, and people are still needing to work. People are still needing those people that they call essential. Um, and so um, we, you know, kind of expanded into that. So uh, we found ourselves um, providing food to a women's shelter. Um, we found ourselves providing food um, to. Um, there's a there's a couple of hotels that are like extended stay hotels for you know maybe people that are below the poverty level, etc. Borderline kind of a, a homeless situation, um, and these are people that are just in need. Um, and so we found ourselves at a hotel just delivering food to families, um, and uh, so it's been really rewarding um, working with them. We're very privileged to have an opportunity to work with uh, Frontline Foods here. Um, in Clark County, Southern Nevada, Las Vegas, and Henderson. We, we just love it. Absolutely. And what you've been doing is just remarkable. And at Dickey's and at the foundation, we always talk about doing both well and good. And I, I think you're really kind of the epitome of, of what we're talking about there um, with partnering with Frontline Foods. Kind of where where does that come for you? Kind of where, where does the spirit of wanting to give back and knowing that, that that's something that was important to you as part of it? Community involvement has always been important to me. Um, you know, I grew up in kind of a smaller community, perhaps, um, in California. And I think that just seeing, you know, some of the mentors that I had um, throughout my career and being involved um, in different organizations. And I've had an opportunity to serve on some great 
um, organization boards. I was the president of the Chamber of Commerce and um, worked with our American Heart Association and and et cetera. Um, Here in Southern Nevada, I I dove right in um, and I'm just wrapping up a four-year term as a a board member with the um, Board of Trustees for uh, Catholic Charities of Southern Nevada. Um, got very involved with my church. I think that um, that keeps me grounded, being uh, involved. Uh, my faith is very important to me. So, um, as a as a proud Catholic, part of our tenement is to you know feed the hungry and and um, you know treat the sick and, and whatnot. So I, I try to do as best I can in that area. Kind of, we were talking about some of the mentors and kind of leadership. Kind of, who are two or three people who really helped and made a difference for you? Well, it had a. Uh, a an interesting story about um, uh, a Navy nurse um, who was uh, a former Marine in Vietnam, got out, used the GI Bill, went to nursing school, and then came back in uh, to the Navy as an officer. Um, and so I served with him in Saudi Arabia in Desert Shield, Desert Storm. So he was he was pretty important to me, Commander Caldwell. Um, when you're in the desert, and remember, this is 1990. There's we don't have cell phones. I mean, I had a, I had a Walkman, right? You know, <laughs> two when you had the, when you had a CD player with the anti-skip technology, it was fancy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so he stands out uh, definitely as a mentor. And then throughout the EMS career, I, I worked for some um, some fantastic females uh, that were in positions of leadership that really took me under their wing. Um, Renee Colarossi uh, being one, she was the director of operations um, and then went on to uh, become a senior leader. And I kind of followed her uh, career path and, and worked for her for a number of years. So she was fantastic. And so obviously you've, you've been around the world doing, you know, ser- serving serving our country and, and got to spend a little time in Hawaii doing that as well, which is lovely. But what, what's been the most important thing that you've learned in your life? The most important thing to me is, is really um, having uh, kind of a core um, group around you to keep you kind of grounded and centered and somewhere you can, you can uh, go to when, when times get kind of rough, you know, because we've had some, some rough times for sure. Um, so, so I think, you know, keeping that, that tight circle, um, you know, I think also what's important to me is working with so many different people and having um, that experience, um, understanding what it takes to work as a team, um, the team concept is extremely important to me, um, and uh, and just kind of mentoring folks. I, I had an opportunity to uh, be mentored by some fantastic folks, so I love that. Now, um, with Dickies, uh, working with our pit crew and, and showing them, you know, the the passion behind the barbecue. It's it's not simply, you know, following an algorithm. Step one, step two, you know, step three. It's, there's a science and an art to um, putting out a quality product. And, and so what we strive for is that competition quality in every one of the briskets and every one of the of the pork butts that we put out. I mean, I'm looking for that smoke green. I'm looking for that good bark. Um, and uh, and so there's that, that science to it. So mentoring these young guys and, uh, and young girls to, to be pit masters and everything else. So that's very proud moment for me is when we could get somebody through that training um, have them do the the, um, the barbecue university training and then certify them as a pit master and then kind of celebrate them on our social media. So I, I really kind of, I dig that kind of stuff now. 
I, I love that. You're so supportive about that. And kind of you, you, great segue over to Dickies because I've got to ask you, what's your favorite Dickies meat and favorite side? You know, the mac and cheese is just fire, right? That's just, that's a, that that's, is a that's my fave right there. <laughs> uh, and, but I was so surprised, and I, I hope I'm not talking out of school, um, that our chili is that good. I, I you know, because I've made chili for years, and it is a <laughs> process. There is like, you got to do this and this, and I'm adding this, and I'm reducing that, and I'm, you know, um, and, and so we're going to do brisket chili. Okay, cool. Let's do it. And, you know, um, we put this together and I, it's going to be okay. It's going to be good. Everything in Dickies is, is good. Um, but then you taste this chili and this is legit chili. This is real. <laughs> it is. The smell is real. The, the texture is real. The consistency is real. It is so good. So I think that, you know, I, you know, this may be a seasonal item, so I'm brand new to the family just starting this year. Um, but I love that chili. Well, have you put the chili on top of the mac and cheese? No, I have. Oh, so you oh, got sure. to do the brisket chili mac stack. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. All right, we, we love to finish up our interviews with doing our lightning round. I'm going to give you two choices, and you just give me, give, give me your choice there. So we'll kick it off with an easy one. Barbecue beans or jalapeno beans? Barbecue beans. Uh, sweet or unsweet tea? Unsweet. Chopped brisket or sliced brisket? Now that's a good one, depending on how you're eating it. There's nothing better on a sandwich than chopped brisket. You gotta chop it for the sandwich, I believe. Are we doing sauce or no sauce? Sandwich sauce um, on a plate, no sauce. <laughs> brisket or pulled pork? Brisket. All right, last one, ribs or wings? Wings. <laughs> All right, wings it is. Right there, they're neck and neck. That's fantastic. Scott, thank you so much for being my guest on Diggy's Doing Good Podcast. We so appreciate everything that you do for the brand uh, and, and wish you the greatest success both in life and with your Dickies. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. It was great that we could share our stories with you. If you want more information about the Dickey Foundation, feel free to visit thedickeyfoundation.org. And if you want more information about some of our great owners and the great stories they're doing, please visit dickies.com. We look forward to seeing you next week where we'll continue sharing the good stories of good people doing good things in our community.